2: Welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. The show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? This week, we're gonna be doing something slightly different. I'm gonna be playing you my favorite music from the movies. So get the popcorn ready, sit back and relax, and I'm gonna take you to places you've never been before. So the first thing to say is that I'm talking today about the composer of a film. So the music is written for that very moment of motion picture, that moving image on the screen that you see, that music has been crafted for that very, very moment. This is as opposed to a song that's written prior to the film's release and put there as part of a soundtrack. So we hear, you know, songs by wonderful pop artists or classical music that's written hundreds of years ago but used in a film that's created now. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the composers who are employed to literally write the music to exactly what they're seeing on screen. Now, this happens in loads of different ways. It happens during, it happens after, it happens prior. These creative geniuses that we hear about, like Hans Zimmer, John Williams, who we're going to talk about today, they all have different ways of working. So I thought it would be really interesting to talk about some really key moments in films that we love and that are iconic in my opinion. So visual and musical language come together and they create this multi-sensory experience. And it's worth noting that we can all sense the mood of music within a film, right? No one's tone deaf and people always say to me, Laura, can anyone sing? And I say, yes, no one is tone deaf because if you picked up the phone to your mum, for example, and she said hello when she answered, you'd know what kind of mood she's in. In fact, you'd probably be able to guess if she'd had a good day or a bad day. Now that is tone, that's the tone of her voice, so I refuse to admit that anyone is tone deaf. We can make a singer out of anyone, and that's a challenge. (laughs) I might regret that one later, but we'll see. So my opinion is that one can't thrive without the other. Music can't live without the motion picture when we're talking about film and movies. But I'm going to contradict myself and go way back to the very start of motion picture. And we're met with, of course, the silent movie. So the movie business has been it was come from very humble beginnings, in fact. Way back in the 1800s, many inventors like Thomas Edison and the Lumiere brothers, who I'm sure you will have heard of, worked on these machines that projected images. And this is what led to the silent movie era. And that went from 1890s early to 1929, so spanned a really, really big time period. And there were just so many of these moving pictures that were created then and shown in theatres on big screens. Now, moving on from that, what I think is so, so cool, and I, to be honest with you, hadn't really looked into this until I wanted to talk to you all about this today. What came next was the music, of course. But it wasn't just written and then recorded. Someone literally would be there watching the image on the the screen and playing the music live. I mean, can you imagine what we'd give to sit in a theatre now, watch a moving image of a silent movie and hear someone playing live music along to it? You can literally see the emotion from the screen being translated into sound. I think that is so cool. And that was just the start of an era. So developed from then, of course, we then have actors like Charlie Chaplin, we have Laurel and Hardy, Harold Lloyd and Pearl White. They're just some of the actors that we knew continued their careers in silent film. And of course, then we moved on to, well, the world of entertainment that we have now that really just never ceases to amaze me. We're going to talk today about animation. We're going to talk Pixar. We're going to talk Disney. We're we're actually going to start with one of my favorite, favorite movies, which is Rocky. Now, I know there'll be some discussion over which Rocky movie is best. Personally, I'm a fan of number four, but we're going to go back to the original Rocky soundtrack. This was released in 1976 and the song Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conti is what we're going to talk a little bit about now. Before we do that, let's start with lots of energy and have a little listen to an extract of this amazing song. So get your boxing gloves on. Maybe you want to do a little jog. If you've had some popcorn, there might be indigestion. I apologize. But let's get ramped up with Bill Conti's Gonna Fly Now. Oh, So good. And that sweep of the harp as well at the end there. And you've got that iconic trumpet melody that comes in right from the start and it just builds and builds such a great piece of music. It's that famous moment, of course, where Rocky Balboa runs up those 72 steps leading to the entrance of the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and he just raises his arms in victory. I'm doing it now, embarrassingly so. Um, But that's what music does for us in film. It just creates such an intense emotion at that very moment you can also see many parts of rocky's training regime at this point so you know he's drinking a ton of eggs through you know in a cup which makes us feel slightly sick i have to say he's doing all the classic skipping the weights the cardio and he's wearing that epic matching tracksuit if you remember which I think actually would be very fashionable even today um that's my sort of 90s love of tracksuit matching uh, and especially in lockdown I mean we're all wearing tracksuits now right or just pajamas to be honest um of course there's that epic guitar solo as well and the brass is used here to create that really victorious regal sound that is so powerful and uplifting Towards the end, we get his strings start to move quickly and they build that intensity in the song as well. And now we have some lyrics in this song, but they're pretty limited if you listen to it, although it doesn't feel like it's missing anything. And that's because the composition and the instrumentation of this piece is so clever. The trumpets take the lead. So where there would perhaps be a melody or someone singing a vocal line, the trumpets are there instead. And I have to say, for me, this film... I just feel like it's one that crosses generations. It's become inspirational to many generations of men and women who might be training for a sporting event or an achievement, trying to reach their goal. And as someone who is incredibly passionate about not only music, but sport too. For me, it was perfect to start with this one today because it is really music and sport coming together to create something really special. Some interesting facts for you. So when I was looking back about how this piece was written and the composer himself, Bill Conti, I realised and read that he'd never seen a boxing match before working on this film and writing the music. The entire score was recorded in only three hours, which if you look at today's standards, when films and music take years upon years to create, that's quite something, three hours. He actually, interestingly, was the third choice composer. So there you go. If it had been first choice, we may not have had or heard that iconic Rocky theme tune. And there were um, the vocals to the theme were recorded for free by people on their lunch break. (laughs) So this is a a quote from Bill Contest to himself about that recording. He says, my wife was working as a secretary at a radio station here in LA called KHJ. I asked her... Do any boys or girls in your office sing? Because I've got a song here with a few lyrics, not very much, and I'm I'm getting strong now with the lyrics. They're silly lyrics, and she said I'll I'll ask. So she came over on her lunch break with her office mates, and they sang the track "Gonna Fly Now." Did they get paid? Absolutely nothing. They grabbed a sandwich and went back to work. So there you go. I think that's where we are all at now. Us uh, our freelance musicians. We'll we'll take a sandwich and a, and a can of coke, and we'll record anything. But there you go. That's real music for you and. Um, Uh, what a wonderful song to start us off today so let's move on to your Disney Pixar iconic movie you're all gonna sigh probably with this uh, strange emotion of of sadness but also happiness at the same time when I mention the movie Up We're going to talk about a piece in this movie called Married Life and it's kind of become the theme of the film. Now it uses something called a leitmotif and that's a German word for a single theme within a piece of music. So you might hear a repetitive theme or a hook perhaps it might be called in pop music and it's something that, it's an earworm, there you go, that's a good way of describing it. It's a little earworm that reminds you of this song whenever you hear it. Now The composer of the soundtrack for Up was called Michael Giacchino. And the reason why this is so, so clever is because it involves something called thematic transformation. So that phrase I used just now called leitmotif, that single theme, actually, there's lots of them used together in a single piece. And this hadn't really been done too much before when we're talking about music composed for film. So let's have a little listen to an extract of that piece now. This is Married Life from Up. Don't want it to stop, do you? That's definitely on my list, my lockdown list of movies to watch, I think. Now, at this moment, and I'm sure those of you who've seen the movie, you'll know that during this moment, and it's called Married Life because it follows a little synopsis for the film, for those who don't know. It follows the emotional story of Carl Fredrickson, and he is an elderly widower who attempts to fulfill his late wife Ellie's dream to travel to the beautiful South American destination of Paradise Falls. Taking flight in his house afloat by helium-filled balloons, Carl soon discovers that a young wilderness explorer, Russell, is an accidental stowaway on his front porch. But that's not the only unusual turn the trip takes. They also encounter a lovable canine named Doug, and those who have seen it will go, point, at this point, (laughs) and whose thoughts are interpreted through a talking dog collar. So anything he feels, i.e., point or... Bird or strange words that he says come through this talking dog collar. And an exotic bird they find as well that Russell names Kevin. And lastly, Carl's long lost boyhood hero turns up Charles Muntz. He is not all that he seems, but I won't spoil the film for you if you haven't seen it. Now, it's really unusual this film when we think about other animated films because our hero is an older man, which is. You know, we haven't really seen that before in Disney Pixar movies. And I think that's where the music comes into play and is so clever to reflect that. The instrumentation is not what you'd usually expect. The strings aren't abundant in sound. Actually, it's the trumpets and the brass and there's that slight sort of feeling of nostalgia about the music and, and also that cheekiness. This guy who may be older is really living that childhood dream of his and his late wife's. And as I say, during this particular piece, called Married Life we see right the way from where they met all the way to when his wife passes away and so before the film has even really got into its flow we feel this incredible emotive response to the main character so right from the beginning what's so clever about not only the music but the film itself and the narrative is that we're already in it we're already in love with this character whatever happens and so his grumbles and and his aches and pains only make us more empathetic towards him it is one of my absolute favorite movies and michael giacchino won the grammy award for best instrumental composition for that very piece that we've heard as well which is no surprise and that was way back in 2010 um as i say a great great film and one i would highly recommend watching if you haven't seen it yet
1: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: Hi, it's Ben Bidwell here, otherwise known as The Naked Professor. I'm popping up to say the brand new series of The Naked Professor's podcast is now live. We're all about having deep and vulnerable discussions about what's really going on and how people are really feeling and dealing with the challenges in their lives. Each episode features a round table of incredible guests. You can expect to hear things like this. You know, the father I was
1: a year ago is different to the father I am now.
0: Past months have been more up and down than I've ever experienced. My stress levels have been elevated since the show came out.
2: I've been working really hard to try and hold the good and the bad in my life at the moment.
0: These conversations are more important now than ever before. So if you want to tune in, then subscribe to the Naked Professors podcast, wherever you found this one.
2: Next, we're going to go to an incredibly moving piece of music. This is none other than the composer John Williams, and it's the theme from Schindler's List. I'm not going to go through the synopsis of this film, um, but it is iconic for so many reasons, and it was released in 1993. So John Williams initially thought that this heart-rending movie would be actually too challenging to score. And he told the director, Steven Spielberg, you need a better composer than I am for this film. Spielberg actually responded by saying, I know, but they're all dead. And as it turned out, Williams captured perfectly the traditional music, but also using a modern orchestration. And as I said, if you haven't seen this movie, I would definitely recommend watching it but have a box of tissues at the ready. Now let's talk about the composition and the orchestration before we listen to an extract. The theme is repeated several times so we hear this theme in the violin which of course as we know as well is such an emotional instrument in itself but the second half of that theme is adapted each time we hear it so it grows each time and at the very opening of this piece we hear the oboe which actually is often used in film scores because it has this incredible intensity during emotional moments, but it won't be used necessarily when there's speech involved because the oboe is at a level of the human voice. So they would um, cancel each other out if you like. But when there's open space and no no speaking happening in the film, the oboe is a beautiful instrument to use for that emotional intensity. And of course, as I mentioned, the violin plays the main theme and oh, it, honestly, I hear it in my head and I get emotional thinking about it. That sound of the violin is, the violin has such a huge range, so it can go right the way down from very low to very high and even to harmonics as well, which is where you'll see a violinist have their last, their little finger really, really high up on the string and it will create this incredibly high sound. And it's such a unique thing to that instrument to hear and actually very beautiful to see as well. And also what's interesting about the low notes, especially in this piece, is that they are played on open strings. So again, if you picture a violinist holding their violin, they will have no fingers on the strings. They will just play with their bow, an open sound. Now that means that they can't use vibrato. So when you see their left hand, sort of use that shaking technique. If I was to show vibrato with the voice, it would sound like this. Instead of. Now that open string sound. So on the violin actually can create a really earthy sound and that is said to connect with us so much more than when the string when the, the fingers are placed on the strings so it might sound a bit complicated but i hope that gives you an idea of why this piece creates so much emotion in us when we listen to it and not to mention the narrative of the film itself so let's have a little listen to some of schindler's list by john williams So beautiful interestingly as well it's worth noting what you might have heard there was no break in the sound so when a violin is played unlike an instrument that uses reeds or like a singer that uses breath the violin can continue to play with that bowed string so they don't need to take a breath or take that string off the bow unless they choose to so that's why we hear those sweeping up an octave into that high range and there's just no break which for me as well as a listener makes me almost hold my breath and almost wait for them to have that moment of, a moment of silence in between. And and the longer that it goes on, the more I'm leaning forward in my seat and and listening with that intensity. Now that is different to what we're going to discuss next, which is our last piece of music today. This is Hans Zimmer. I couldn't go through film music without choosing a piece by composer Hans Zimmer. What an incredible man and what iconic music he has created. So actually it was a very difficult choice to choose something that I felt would show him at his best and also something that I love. But I've chosen the main theme from Interstellar. Now, the reason I've chosen this is because I was reading up about this film well actually when it came out and I just loved the music so much and couldn't understand why it was so different to what Hans Zimmer had done before this. And I read some really, really interesting things. So the producer, Christopher Nolan, said the music should not pay any attention to the genre of the film. It's a purely creative project. That's what he told Hans Zimmer before he started composing. So he didn't see any of the moving images. He didn't know any of the characters. He didn't know the storyline. He just had a very simple part of the dialogue from the movie. And in fact, to the point where he actually says in interviews, he thought it was the relationship between a father and a son. And of course, now knowing actually it's a relationship between a father and a daughter and one of complete science fiction if you like. So it started from a piece about what it really feels like to be a father and this is allegedly this is what Hans Zimmer said. He didn't know that the story was so different to what he envisioned in his mind but then actually what came out of that was something that was purely about the dialogue and really unique and not related to what we now know as Interstellar. The other thing that I find really interesting about this particular piece, and in fact, the whole composition of the movie, is that the organ is central to this score. So, and again, what I've just mentioned is with the violin, there isn't a moment to breathe. Actually, the organ. Actually, lives through breath. It has to breathe. It's a pipe that sends air through it to make sound. So the organ is probably one of the biggest. Well, in fact, it is the biggest instrument that uses breath to create that sound. And actually, that really creates that human intensity when we listen to it. Let's have a little listen to some of the excerpt now, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how very special the organ recording was during this film. Let's enjoy some of Hans Zimmer's Interstellar. So you hear the organ coming in there towards the end of that phrase, and what Hans Zimmer is so so good at is using one theme and building it and building it and building it. Another piece like that is um, from Inception, the time, and it's just it's just that incredible intensity through one short theme and the ability to create an entire film score out of perhaps that one idea is just simply astounding. So the organ we heard there was recorded in Temple Church in central London by the organist Roger Sayer. And it was said as well that Hans said himself, he was just an extraordinary player. And as I mentioned, you have this pipe, you have the air blowing through it, and it makes a sound, one pitch. But what's so clever with the organ is that you keep adding pipes, you keep adding these complex harmonic structures. And so essentially, they had during recording this endless discovery of new sounds. And also, what you won't see when you perhaps have been in a church or you've heard an organ played, you won't see the organists' feet going mad underneath because they are playing single notes with their feet too. So, not to mention you might have three or four keyboards. In front of you, but you've also got pedals below, and you've got these called stops, which are on the left and right, which change the sound. So they might shift in that pipe how much air comes through or at what rate it comes through, and that changes the sound as well. So they just had this cacophony of sounds to play with during the recording of the soundtrack, and it made it so exciting. And of course, as I mentioned, that air, that that air that the organ needs to breathe made that human presence really really clear in every sound also what's really interesting as well is that you might now know where the expression pulling all the stops out comes from (laughs) or pulling out all the stops oh no I said it wrong (laughs) pulling out all the stops but that of course is where it comes from in the sense that you could pull out all of the stops on an organ and it would create the biggest sound so I hope you've enjoyed my music in my life podcast today on film music and some little nuggets of information that you can take away about composers about movies about the soundtracks that we love so much it's been really nice to talk through some of my favorite pieces with you and do let me know what you think and if you'd like to hear more about this kind of thing, because it is a joy to share music with you all thank you so much and I'll see you next time I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over.